Welcome back to Friendly with Serafino. I apologize for the quality of the audio in this recording. I hope you enjoy it. Anyway. Today we're going to be hearing from Andrea Land. She is um, a tarot reader, intuitive coach, musical coach, voice coach. She's also a podcaster and she has two great podcasts you can find on all the streaming apps, The Grooving Goddess and Call Me Karen. So uh, without further ado, let's hear from The Grooving Goddess. Hello, my dear. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing so great today. How are you? I am doing really well. That's awesome. Well, this is a fabulous sounding connection. I was a little worried because I think I told you this is the first time I'm recording uh, within another person since I upgraded tech to one that doesn't have a audio jack on the phone. <laughs> oh, so, uh, okay. Yeah, so I'm in this world of adjusting to more wireless uh, stuff. So okay. how are you? doing today Sarah I am I'm doing not too bad I'm not I'm not doing too bad uh yesterday was quite rough Mm. uh in the afternoon it was I I don't have um fibromyalgia but I it felt like a flare it felt like a flare-up interesting um not the only person that had that as well so yeah yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry that you were feeling that. Um, mm-hmm. That is, uh, that's one of the things that I've um, navigated since my mm-hmm. early 20s. And um, I know when, uh, and it's interesting that you bring this up because um, just over the last few days, and I wrote down before we talked, because, you know, I started the Muse Musings thing. Oh, should we yeah. say who we are? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to do it. And I was going to do it separately as an introduction. But yeah, we can. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just keep talking and then you can do it in an introduction because that'll be yeah. fun for me. Because Then it'll be like a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so right before we were talking, I was thinking about my next episode and it was how I overcame diet culture. And then another one is how I um, you know, it healed my body or accepted my body and healed is one of those terms that gets misunderstood for me. Healing something is, um, I mean, you know, sometimes you can like fully just whoop, I'm better. I don't have that yeah. thing anymore, but some conditions seem to persist and it's about learning how to, um, do that dance with your body to manage it. And when you accomplish that, that to me is a state of, you know, health or healing from that thing. Right. But I, th- I think there's also a really, there's like an energetic component. There's a process that we go through, I think on this planet with the earth as earth is ascending at the same time. And, um, Part of it just seems to be that those of us who are intuitive uh, or tuned into this in any way 
have similar, you know, even if you don't technically, like you just said that you don't really have fibromyalgia, but it felt like that sort of a flare. It's like we experience um, similar physical symptoms, you know, and we're getting a major upgrade right now. So I'm sure that that has a lot to do with it. I think it does. I have gone through in the last, you know, I think I have not not gone through a major upgrade or shift or purge or reflection or something since 2021 started. Oh my so, gosh, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think, okay, so I'm trying to give it a time. So, okay, so this session was started when? Mm, but then if I keep, but then it's related to the one that was before, but then it's related to the one that was before. And I'm like, okay, so it, I've just not been out of work. <laughs> I've just been working right through for 2021 from the beginning. I agree. And I that is that healing because I have been writing um, notes about a podcast episode that I want to talk about with regards to healing myself and really about therapeutics because Mm -hmm. for me I think a lot of people really misuse this word healing uh, in the field of therapeutics and you know um, there are a lot of people out there that are healers um, and have this badge of healer that they put on them and you know, th- just the whole definition of healing, I think that has to be um, has to be discussed because healing is a conscious, um, you know, it, it is a conscious practice. It has to be done. Right. Yes. It has to be done. The participant, the person that is going uh, or that is requiring the therapeutics right? The, the intervention mm-hmm. has to be a conscious active participant in order for healing to occur. Because when you are healed, it's, it's done. <laughs> healed mm-hmm. is, healing is a process. Um, right. You can't go to a, a okay, so I'm a, I'm a Reiki master. And one of my pet peeves really is that a lot of Reiki masters sell their wares, mm-hmm. their services as, okay, you're going to go and get some Reiki and you'll be fine. Right. Three sessions and then there will be no problem again. And then again, similarly, um, the person purchasing those services says, okay, you know what? I'm having this problem. I'm going to go and get some Reiki. And they'll go and they'll have three sessions of Reiki and they'll feel great. But again, they're expecting somebody to fix it for them. They're expecting energy into them and that it goes away. And they're not taking responsibility or accountability for the source of the imbalance. That is such a beautiful way to put it. Thank you for putting all of my um, fragmented muse-like thoughts into a solid uh, thesis because I, t- I really agree with that. I, and it's interesting because I'm not a Reiki master, but, you know, I have that 
energy in me. And I, Mm -hmm. even when I was a little girl, my first, uh, real best friend who fortunately was another freaky star seed like myself, uh, we would practice Reiki on each other and we didn't know that's what we were doing. You know what I mean? But we just did all of these things instinctively, this, this management of energy. And, um, but I did study uh, holistic health coaching for two years, right. about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And I studied every dietary theory, um, you know, all, all of the different things, plus all of the holistic aspects of health outside of just what you put in your mouth. And I learned so much beneficial stuff. But the most important thing I learned is that we are all so uniquely different. Mm -hmm. And it's really a matter of learning to listen to your own body, because you're not going to be like everybody else. And so what wound up happening is I didn't, I wound up not practicing because it was too hard to try to separate at the time 10 years ago, uh, diet culture, from holistic health coaching, health coaching, you know, with weight loss always being this goal, um, or abs or whatever the hell. And then, um, the other emphasis was, uh, you know, this wellness is healing, you're going to heal yourself by doing this elimination diet, you're going to heal yourself by not eating gluten, you're gonna, and it was still focusing on not enough of everything. And so it, I just kind of, it was one of those things where I was like, well, I guess this is not how I'm going to use this knowledge (laughs) because (laughs) I can't participate like that. And fortunately now, uh, just in the last couple of years, intuitive eating is becoming more of a thing and neutral weight, neutral, um, health coaching is Mm -hmm. becoming a thing, which is wonderful, but you know, I'm really plugged in with this whole grooving goddess, uh, intuitive world now. And I don't see myself going and practicing that, but I'm so happy that that's the direction it's going in for people. Because I think once you attain a certain connection to what I just keep calling the all at this point, because I don't even know what to call it anymore. Um, you get to define just as part of co-creation, we're creating this um, reality, this timeline this world that we're living in here on earth we can also define our relationship with food energetically you know and so i've i've been practicing over the last year with this thing of like you know not demonizing any foods just paying attention to how my body feels when I eat them. And, uh, you know, I literally talk to the food and we have this conversation about how, uh, you know, we're going to get along and whether it's best for me. And so I can have um, a little bit of everything, you know, like the French, uh, everything in moderation and feel so much better and not be obsessed about food all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just feel better and enjoy life because food is one of the most wonderful pleasures here. And if you're just focusing on that one thing and restricting yourself all the time, it's just a big, huge distraction from like, like you were saying, the core, uh, root causes and issues and traumas and things that you need to truly heal inside yourself to have a different relationship with your body. Exactly. Um, I have been practicing uh, Reiki for hmm, over two decades. 
Wow. Boy, you really bury that lead. You're so, <laughs> you're so down low about this. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that I could be doing adult things um, over two decades now because I was an adult <laughs> over two decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, you are a very ageless, youthful beautiful person and I I think that's something that tends to start coming from that energetic connection you know Mm -hmm. Um, wow so that is fascinating that that has been on your mind let's get to the notes this is so funny because I'm coming on your podcast and um, I had just listened to the fantastic episode with you and Nimue um femme fatale tarot everybody yes. out there listening um mm-hmm. sh- we're all part of the and met through the same community that was surrounded surrounding um different podcasts by jessa reed and it was so much fun listening to you both and it was amazing to me because i realized you know when you probably when you recorded it and then me listening to it now um one of the weird timeline things that i experience and uh, with the fluidity of time and I still don't entirely understand it but it definitely works to my advantage is that I seem to do things um, like I enter phases a couple weeks or a month before the the greater collective so it'll be kind of funny because everybody else will be sort of in the who we got through that and like kind of woo party <laughs> and then I'm like in it I'm like crying in the bathtub <laughs> my, my world is falling apart but um listening to you talking and it was so funny because I told you that um in text where I was saying it was so funny that you two thought you were just you know not talking about anything because to me it was like an amazing <laughs> summary of everything that's been going on but um one thing I wrote down was God sex, because how can I not address God dog? <laughs> how could you not? How could how you could not? I not? I couldn't not say God dog. Um, but I was going to share my own kind of experience with that because I also had an experience like Please, that yeah. in December. And it was, it was just, it was crazy uh, because what inspired me personally um because I do not have a physical present in my physical space partner at this time I have an LDR um I was listening to horror pod Lacey Freeze podcast about Mm -hmm. sexuality and sensuality and it's really wonderful it's H-O-A-R for anyone out there who wants to check it out but I was listening to the episode (laughs) that was just um And this is so funny. I'm a grown ass woman, right? I'm going to be 52 in a couple months. And it's hard for me to say the F word. (laughs) (laughs) But her episode was go fuck yourself. (laughs) And in that episode, you know, she talked about how we put all this effort into our intimacy and, and taking care of our physical desires with another person that but when it's just ourselves it's like you know brushing our teeth or something we're not like making love to ourselves and I that really 
resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about that. And in the meantime, I had had this upgrade in my connection to source so that I just felt like so huge energetically. And so I set about um, having a moment with myself (laughs) and I tuned into that. Only the interesting thing was, because I know Nemo was talking about all the different gods and goddesses and things. Well, in the vision that the the experience that came for me with source energy in that um, meditative, more tantric, uh, self-pleasuring state that I was in, Mm -hmm. All of them were me. There, it was like a scene. Did you ever watch the show Sensei? Yes. At all? Yes. Okay. So you know the scene where they're all doing it together, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like that. Only all of them were me. Weird. Like different versions <laughs> oh God, of me. <laughs> and so I was just like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> so, but, and I mean, fabulous. <laughs> But, but at the same time, I came out of it kind of going like, wow, that's like, I can't believe I never thought about that before, you know? And then at the same time, because who knows your body better than you? Absolutely. And then at the same time, I came out of it realizing that the reason the vision was that way is because they are all me and everything is me and I'm everything. And that... (sighs) that realization it's like I keep getting more and more drawn into as much as I love uh the gods and goddesses and mythology and I identify with so much of it and the way archetypes come in to teach us different things um I I feel more and more that oneness of connection that feeling that I am Athena I am you know god I am Gaia I am everything Mm -hmm. and it's really powerful it's beautiful um bathtub visit Nimue was talking about having um channeling I think or a bathtub visit from um past demon lover maybe I don't remember exactly what that story was but it was kind of surrounding twin flames Mm -hmm. and things and I had um kind of like a channeling that allowed me because you were also talking about um having real time this life resolution with your uh your person that you needed to apologize to yeah. i can't remember mm-hmm. if that's yeah. the same as yeah. your twin flame yeah. no it wasn't um yeah a different person mm-hmm. so the person you needed to apologize to so um i it was it was weird. So in October I got like, I was having that same thing where bathtub time was bringing in these connections and um, letting me, it was almost like, it wasn't even like leaving my body. It was like uh, becoming the other place suddenly and being there. And it was a very sensory experience. And for me, I was on Mintaka and that is who uh, seems to want to come through for me mm. um, channeling over the last three months or so. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so my, so my, um, my person at the time who I guess, you know, I'm, 
like you, I think that there's different energies and those can manifest in a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's only one person who's your twin flame, Mm -hmm. but um, he was definitely pivotal. And unfortunately we wound up breaking up in um, December, which the middle of that, like right before everybody else started, um, you know, the process of going into the void and then upgrade, 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 growth, 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 expand, expand Mm -hmm. faster, faster. Um, So I was dealing with the loss of that relationship, but what had happened before that and what made it so deeply painful was that um, he and I, like he was the reason what I remember being like, I remember being, um, just light and able to materialize, um, to inspire and assist people with my energy, um, and have fun while I was doing it. But then I just, you know, dematerialized and went back to being light. So this being on Mintaka was what made me embody. Mm -hmm. That was what made me want to become a soul and become a soul that needed to be embodied Mm -hmm. in one way or another. So uh, we were on that planet and then, um, you know, Mintakans came here because the planet had a problem Mm -hmm. and um, there there were wars. So (laughs) with all time happening simultaneously, the reality is, is that everything still exists that we think is gone right um you know and everything we think exists is already gone (laughs) in a way so um that's I think that's where that attachment comes in but at any rate this was so visceral and so this man that I met in this life um that's who he was and so I could really relate to the like you're, you're apologizing to your connection who was like, I didn't want to come to this damn planet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I'm not incarnating until you're ready to apologize. <laughs> so uh, we've, you know, our higher selves are together and in communication and whatnot, but our earth selves really haven't been very many times. Mm-hmm. And this was a chance for us to get to be together. But it was also, um, you know, we have free will. We're having this human experience and his human experience is way more intense presently than mine. Um, And he wasn't quite as aware and conscious of all this yet. So when the conjunction happened, um, there was sort of a split. This is the Jupiter Saturn, the Jupiter Saturn conjunction. Yes, right. yeah, that winter solstice, yeah. that conjunction that happened, mm-hmm. it caused. Uh, and it's not like anyone went away. It's just um, some people jumped in the river of you know this five D consciousness flow, and others didn't jump. Yeah. They weren't ready to, or they made a different choice. And so I really feel like that's what happened with him. But when I had this, this meeting with him on our home planet, um, he, he told me, and I was, I was having a really hard time with my kids and stuff mm-hmm. and my mom mm-hmm. who has dementia now yeah. and everything at the time. And I, I, it was such a feeling of love and vulnerability mm-hmm. that I was like, I was crying and telling them, 
I don't want to do this. I can't do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And um, he said, and, and if that was the thing is that you didn't just speak with one person, you communicated with a group. Mm -hmm. And so we were in the circle communicating and um, underwater um, and we're communicating and they're, they're telling me it's all right. It's okay. And they're holding me and holding the space for my longing to be there and not here. And they said, um, we know this is hard, but this is when you told us to remind you that you wanted to go and you wanted to do this and that you'll be fine and that you can do this. And then the other thing, um, was my my twin flame here on earth he said to me over and over no matter what no matter what I say you can't help me you don't help me please don't help me because I'm you're not supposed to I'm supposed to do this on my own mm -hmm. and if you help me it's just going to make things worse kind of thing So, we said we weren't gonna cry. I did what he told yeah, me. We said we, yeah, we weren't gonna cry. So, I uh, <clears throat> I told him, you know, I did it. I did what he told me, and um, that's why we're not together anymore. And it was really hard, and it was very disappointing because we kind of had like a. 50-50 chance of getting to be together on this planet mm -hmm. for once. And um, he made the wrong choice. At least the wrong choice for us to have that. <laughs> he apparently made the right choice for him or else he would have made it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But anyway, so that launched me into what you're talking about. This, this last three-month period of just intense clearing and growth and sorting things out and once I got past you know all of the different layers of hurt from that experience because I'm still having a human experience mm -hmm. it brought me tremendous healing and freed up so much energy that I was putting into that wow Whew. <laughs> interesting right <clears throat> I'm telling you it is like our entire community is going um we are rewriting love codes <laughs> mm -hmm. I think so too um I've been I was reading about primordial awareness after watching some meditation videos and different things but this quote just stands out to me from the Tibetan Tantras um, and just keeps coming back to everything and it's the majestic ruler of all Buddhas is understood to be one's own awareness so we really are uh, doing mm -hmm. this we really are it we really are creating a structure without structure it, it it's like um all of the polarities um exist because they exist mm -hmm. <laughs> like uh 
<laughs> if you didn't, you know, you have to have the the light to have the shadow and all of that good stuff. But being able to hold all of that energy and be connected to everything and maintain balance is doing exactly what you said. I believe, I think we're rewriting love codes. I think we're building, you know, people who are into grid work are also creating, you know, laying down new, um, a new mm -hmm. grid, a yes. new web for the new uh, higher dimensional vibrations and creation happen on and it's really fascinating it is. and as soon as I was able to let go of this twin flame um another man who I love very much came back into my life and who through this other relationship I came to see in myself how my how my I was lying to myself about some of my motives for breaking it off with this other mm -hmm. person. And it's interesting because a twin flame person is like someone that I estimate maybe, you know, knowing 10,000 years or so. And then um, the, uh, the new person is like, like the only, like, I don't think he's been on earth very much. He's like an innocent right. soul and not that he's not, you know, wise and full of knowledge, but as far as earth, He's an innocent soul and he sometimes I swear he feels like, you know, a guardian angel who purposely came here to watch out for me <laughs> just because of how he is and his energy. And then this reconnection with him validates the crazy um, four year long future dream that I had about six years ago. That just keeps unfolding and in that dream he is the person that I'm with towards the like I wouldn't say happy ending but sort of like towards the the new beginning like oh things have gotten better and here we are in this place right. now so we're all headed there it's just really that it's a we're in the intense intense phase it of is. this it's super intense because I have just, I've reached a place where, because I decided, you know what, I'm just going to strip everything down. I'm going to pull everything out. I'm going to deprogram, unprogram. I'm going to get to back down to foundation. I'm, I'm going to rebuild a foundation. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, I've been doing a heck of a lot of foundation building. And I... I've got it right. I can say that today that I have a I have a solid foundation in knowing myself and knowing what I want um, in being able to choose. Um, I can say that today I am a woman in love. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. And it's not directed at any particular I... individual. It's not, it's not something that I am. It's not a love that I am projecting onto another human being. This is a mm -hmm. love that mm -hmm. I have absolutely. And it's, it's so unlike the concepts of love that exist 
in today's mm-hmm. standards and in the literature um, because it's not something that is projected. It's not yes. something that's projected. It's something that you, it's like a lantern that you lit inside you. Um, and it shines out as opposed to you, you give it. It's not a gift. Like, you know, they say that love is a gift that you give to somebody else. It's, it's mm-hmm. nothing like that. This is a, a this is a fire that it burns inside of me mm-hmm. and it generates its own heat, its own warmth, its own energy. It's self-sustaining. Um, and whoever walks past that might feel that warmth or see that light might be attracted to it. And might want to stand in mm-hmm. in in the comfort that it brings, but it's mine. <laughs> it's all mine, right? I love that. And you know, when you started, where when you said I've got it right, the time on the recording was at thirty oh three. So you had a thirty three there. So uh, numbers mm-hmm. agree with you that you're getting yeah. it right. <laughs> I, I can really relate to what you're saying about that, about that, because that's what being connected to everything mm-hmm. feels like. It, it's, it's a bliss. It's like an inner, it's just, it's so hard to describe until it's like, even once it's happened and you've managed to get to that place. And now just not, this is in no way sounding cocky or like there's not going to be things that are difficult or challenging or make me angry, sad, mad, you know, resentful, mm-hmm. whatever. But it's having that fire in you, like you describe, it allows you to process it differently and it allows you to respond yeah. differently. And uh, we have the power to control and decide how long something is going to, you know, how, how mm-hmm. severely and how long something is going to make yeah. us feel bad. You know, it's hard to accept that when you're really in it or you're first starting to deal with whatever's buried inside you or trying to deprogram things. But it really is about getting to a place where, you, you know, you know that you, you don't, um, you don't have to be miserable. And part of what was keeping me stuck, uh, and why I was just having such a hard time. I mean, all of the things going on in my life were deeply traumatic. Mm-hmm. Let's it was and none of them were happening necessarily to me directly, except for the breakup. But I was still connected right. to all of it. And um, but I was also triggered into crisis management mode. And it took a session with um, Jessica and Oscar to find this program that was my own energy you know it was created by me when I was a child but it it was this program that was running that was um there so that I could go into emergency management mode and not Mm -hmm. feel anything like in crisis I wasn't allowed to have feelings and so I was trying to process all my feelings with all of the tools I had, but there was like this stuff coming up the works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So once I integrated that, I was able to let go of all of it. And then now as new things present themselves or they come up, it, 
it feels the the peace I just feel mm-hmm. so peaceful even if I'm crying because you know I'm really mm-hmm. sad about something or um I don't know you know if, if my car were to get in a wreck or something like that I would I would be I would just process it and then let it go. And that was the thing that I really struggled with was letting things go. (laughs) Oh, I know it. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, and, and, you know, I mean, of course there's all of like the earth life neuroses which Mm -hmm. contribute to that. Um, but at the root of it all, it was, uh, needing to control things or being forced really, really young to have to control things because none of the, um, the grownups around you were able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so you had mentioned your nurse. I, I used right? to be that... a million years ago uh-huh. and uh, it was not my choice. Um, it was chosen mm-hmm. for me um, because my mom was a single mom and she was a single uh, mom and this was, she had to figure out ways to educate and provide career pathways for her three girls because my dad, while he was a superly successful man, um, was also an extremely um, vengeful um person mm. and he withdrew his financial support um of the family when my mom left oh. so for the majority oh, of my, my life it really only when i was an adult that he actually sort of step in to sort of take up fatherly duties again um but it was quite challenging for my mom to try and figure out ways to educate and um yeah just to provide successful pathways for yeah mm-hmm. that was a lot yeah wow she must be a really amazing woman that that was hard well the nature sure. of my family and boy, yeah the, do I my feel family I, there great. is it's a very collective um they have a very collective mentality um they are individuals mm-hmm. and they're all extraordinarily unique and different, but they are, do not see themselves as separate, which is an interesting thing. Huh. Um, it's something I've struggled. <laughs> it's something I've struggled um, with my whole life um, to break away from this. Um, you know, it's like being an amoeba among you know it, it, a single celled organism in a multi cell. Yeah, I've right. really struggled. Um, but right. the benefits to it is amazing in the fact that um, my mom is a member of the family. And so therefore, um, the entire family supports each other. Like there is a motto in my family. This is my family mm-hmm. motto. If one has, all have. And so something as ah. simple as my mom taking her three girls out for ice cream on a Saturday afternoon. Um, she would be mm-hmm. expected to pick up, to, you know, pass at her brother's house 
and pick up his three boys and take them for ice cream as well so that they can have ice cream with their cousins. Wow. On the surface, it's beautiful, it's, but also yeah. a lot of pressure for a On the surface, mom. it's lovely. The idea is lovely, and there's so much that goes on. And uh-huh. that, um, there, there is no poverty in my family because nobody suffers, nobody lacks. Um, everybody right. has been able to access <clears throat> everything because everybody supports each other. So that's how we were able to, my aunt, who is a nurse, was able to um, access services for me to get 100% funding um, to study nursing. So it really wasn't a desire so much as... This is a way you can it, make it money. Just, That's kind of how it was for that me. It was being a dutiful daughter and um, relieving the mm-hmm. pressures and the burdens of my mom. Um, right. You know, and just doing the right thing because when you're in this kind of system, every decision that you make is not for your own benefit, it's for the benefit of everybody else involved. And so I was being a good daughter, I was being a good member of the family, I was providing a a way Mm -hmm. for my um, other sister, my younger sister, I was being, getting myself to a a state where I'd have a profession, I'd be financially stable so I could take care of other people in the family. You know, it, it is not about what I want, it's about what is the larger collective need right so you are already well versed in in interdependence and for you being um you know your own separate being is is the challenge um so you have you know you have a life experience that makes you really uh great at communicating that concept of how if because that's part of what connecting to that energy does I think is that um and and unfortunately not all families have your motto (laughs) or your um you know your system going there and so independence is what is stressed so hard and not needing anybody else and being able to do it all on your own and so um being able to show people how decisions based on um the collective can also oh but but um yeah foster a healthier Mm -hmm. environment except if you're going into something out of obligation instead of desire, then yes. there's the drawback. There is, there is a mix of interdependence and codependency in that system. Um, and my mm-hmm. own struggle to be independent of it, I, I really went through that. I was like, I'm separate. I'm going to do everything on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I'm, mm-hmm. you know... I have my own ideas. I really pushed, pushed. You can't, I really pushed against them. I really pushed them away. Um, that's never going to be a possibility because my family are 
completely obtuse and never take hints. And so that's... <laughs> You would have to flat out say, would you get the F away from me? (laughs) Yeah, that's never going to happen. So going to, I had to go to that complete end of um, independence, ultra, supra independence and find my way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and not going down that forked road to codependence because within my family structure there are codependent relationships as well as relationships mm-hmm. that are and it is a very fine balance um yeah it truly is it's uh, it can be very difficult to navigate the difference but i think um a lot of it comes down to just how mm-hmm. the energy of it feels like what your energy exchanges, whether, um, because if, if you just feel like it's taking mm-hmm. something from you, <laughs> then it's probably yeah. codependent. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I was, I was telling a friend that um, this is just a, a funny story with regards to my family of how they move. Um, I was telling my friend that um, a couple of years ago, um, I went on a vacation um, and I was in Paris and I loved it. It was so much that I decided, I decided How that and it was wonderful. around Christmas time and <laughs> we were in Paris, I think after New Year's and it was so amazing because I loved the Latin Quarter. It, was, it just, just suited my sort of hippie um, bookworm vibe and mm-hmm. oh I I can tell and I, I said okay <laughs> so I'm gonna quit my job I'm gonna move to Paris <laughs> and I you know I'm I'm an MBA graduate I worked in an international company I can I can work anywhere in the world I can move to Paris and of course she was like okay uh-huh. so how are you gonna tell your mom I was like uh okay I <laughs> <laughs> and so I went through this whole and I told her, okay, so this is how it's going to go, right? But I'm going to get to go. So if I tell my mom I'm moving to Paris, she'll see that she will not believe me. She will not believe me because I will not go. And uh-huh. only when I've actually booked the flight and I've told her the date of the flight, she's still not going to believe me until I'm actually like packing bags and I ask for a lift. And then she's going to get very, very upset and think cause I'm going to leave her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to go on the flight. And then... After I'm up there and I'm doing really well, she's going to have enough time to, to reflect, oh, this is a new vacation spot that I can go and get free accommodation. I should support this. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and then she's exactly. going, and then, of course, she's going to ask to come on a holiday. And I'm, I'm going to invite her because I'm going to want her to see my space. She's going to come up and she's going to stay, not two weeks, not three weeks. She's going to stay at least two to three months because she's going to, she, she'll want to help me, right? Adjust to my new life, right? Oh, she's going to cook <laughs> while I'm working. She's going to clean while I'm working, right? While clean, there, yeah. And then complain about having, never to complain clean. about having to clean. <laughs> yeah. She, oh, she, she likes being cleaning. useful. And then yeah. I'm going to be living in this place for, Aww. say, I'm living in this apartment building for six months. I merely just smile at my neighbors. In fact, my mom is going to become friends with the neighbors. She's going to know 
Everybody in the supermarket, they're going to call her by her first name. She's going to know the pharmacist. She's going to be invited to social groups that I have not been invited to. And she will just be a star because my mom, wherever she goes, becomes the center of the social life, right? She knows everybody. And then Uh when she goes back, she's going to tell my aunt what amazing time that she has. Now everybody's going to want to come. And everybody who made friends with are going to be asking when is your mom coming back when is your mom coming back and so my aunts are going to decide well the next time my mom her name is mary is going to come they're going to come so they all i'm telling this to my friend that this is how this is going to go down right this hasn't actually happened i'm telling you, this is what is going to happen if i'm doing yeah, you're right. This, this is, is just yeah. your future. And, tripping, a, and then my mom is going to bring all her sisters, right? And they're going to stay another two, three months in my one bedroom apartment. <laughs> and then they're going to complain about it. It's too small. It's too small. And then my uncle is going to feel left out because he wasn't invited. And, like, <laughs> and then we're going to say that the place is too small. So then they're going to have to get on a Zoom call with all of them without me to talk about the fact that I need to get a bigger place and somebody needs to convince me to get a bigger place so that they can all come together to visit. Because my uncle, even though he can come and stay with his sisters, um, he cannot leave his wife because his wife will get upset because she travels everywhere with him. So I'm going to need to get a bigger place. So my mom, they're going to ask my mom not to have this conversation with me about getting a different place. And so when they all leave and go back, I'm going to start getting little hints about they're going to start offering me money. And the money is really going to be about buying a bigger place. But is it going to be buying a bigger place? No, I'm not going to be able to buy a bigger place. I'm not a rich person. I can't buy a house in Paris. So I'm going to be ending up living in the outskirts and the suburbs of Paris in a big old house that I don't need the space for because the rest of the space is going to be for my family when they visit for three months out of the year. And that's what's going to happen because I'm end up. I'm not going to end up being living in Paris anyway because my family going to buy me a house in the suburbs. So better not move to Paris. Let's just leave that right there. <laughs> that is really funny. Oh, I'm sorry that you didn't move to Paris, but what a that's such a great um, depiction of how it all goes. And I, you know, there's you know your family of origin like I'm that way with my mom and even now with her um, mild cognitive impairment um, she's still her and so I can I do the same thing I'll, I'll like I'll have an idea or or she'll ask for about something and then I go through the <laughs> process in my head of how this is gonna go and then that decides you know whether I do the thing or not or uh if I can find workarounds to what I know are going to be her responses and actions and idiosyncrasies in this situation but you just made me feel a whole lot better (laughs) about being an only child of an only child um (laughs) taking care of her now because I have had moments where I'm like gosh you know this is why big families are great because then you're and not everything is all in one person or two kids you know two siblings and people can share the responsibility uh for their elders and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just made me feel better about all of that I am not living in Paris because it just doesn't make sense (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> so, so how much time do um, you spend I talk to my mom every day now? And I see my sisters <laughs> quite regularly because uh, nobody moves much further. Because my family, even though we're based on uh, on the island of Trinidad in the Caribbean, um, everybody mm-hmm. leaves mm-hmm. and they live overseas in some other culture and then they come back and then they leave and then they come back. So uh, I still have an aunt in the U.S. I still have a couple of aunts in the U.S. Um, and I expect that they will be um, returning soon because of the COVID. Um, and I have two aunts in right. the U.K., yeah, why yeah. would anybody want to be here on purpose? I have friends in the UK, um, and they um, they left uh, after COVID because they were actually came down um, for carnival to Trinidad and then got stuck here, and then they they needed to leave to go back to their house in the UK. And now that they're up there, uh, they want to come back. <laughs> so they want, yeah. So. Um, my family, we tend to come and go. We tend to move around. Um, but we, when we're in Trinidad, we're usually mm-hmm. in very close proximity. Um, well, I love that. I, I, um, it's funny. I think it's just human nature, especially when you're kids and with all the TV programming we received. Uh, I think you always want the opposite of what you have. I remember being a kid in the seventies and, you know, being this lonely, sometimes lonely. Most of the time I was honestly fine with my own company, but um, sometimes lonely, only child. And I had, I made a friend who had five siblings and it was like Mm -hmm. the Brady Bunch house. You know, they lived in this big house and only it was a lot more chaotic and a lot more real life. Cause like, the mom locked the pantry <laughs> and the refrigerator <laughs> with a padlock <laughs> because she was working or like, you know, when she mm-hmm. had to go out because with six kids, mm-hmm. you know, all the food would be gone <laughs> when they came home and they couldn't afford it. And so anyway, um, to me, it was like, wow, this is so cool. This is what it's like to have brothers and sisters and everything. And then um, my friend thought me being an only child and having pretty much rule of the house in the child domain was the coolest thing ever. Um, So that kind of gave me an appreciation for uh, Mm -hmm. embracing where I'm at, you know, try to be present. But it took me a long time to get to that place of presence. I spent a lot of my life um, as a type A overachiever, Mm -hmm. control freak kind of person. While still having all of this, you know, esoteric knowledge from my family of origin, because we all uh, discussed it and, and, um, you know, I was encouraged to dig into that but I was really focused on material success and um, getting myself in a better position than my you know previous generations of women in my family Um, because I was the first one in let's see five six seven generations in America because my great great grandma came over 
um, during mm-hmm. the Ellis Island period. And um, <clears throat> I'm the first one to own a house by myself without, mm-hmm. you know, a, a male co-signer or without someone else else's help. And uh, so I, I, I think that was important because if I hadn't done that and hadn't had that focus at the time when I was physically able to do it, um, I don't know that I would have been set mm-hmm. up exactly where I needed to be now. And with the life that I needed to be who I am now. I agree. Um, Because that drive to be separate and to be independent, I don't think I would be able to um, really carry on um, the work of so many of the, my other, of the other women in my family, like my ancestors, um, who were definitely uh, mavericks and trendsetters, you know. Um, if I didn't, mm-hmm. like, I needed, I needed that, I needed that experience. I needed that experience of, um, like, what do you, I would say, training my muscles. I needed to train my muscles in that way to not fall into the trap of codependence. Because to me, that was like the scariest thing. That is the scariest thing to be um, supplicant. (laughs) Love that word. Supplicant. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. I would agree and I think a big reason that so much changed for me and why I had to let go of my 20-year marriage and let go of a lot of things in my life um, was just uh, I I got to a point where Mm -hmm. I couldn't make myself small anymore I couldn't hide my light under a bushel anymore I couldn't keep being who everyone else needed me to be it just became unbearably uncomfortable and uh so it it was interesting because this tornado of crap (laughs) that hit me right before thanksgiving (laughs) and then played out through december um it occurred like when things were things came in and then on the solar eclipse on december 12th I was talking to source and, you know, myself, and I just, I agreed to fully surrender. And this was something mm-hmm. that I have not been great at <laughs> in my life is surrendering because, you know, that's the opposite of being a control freak. <laughs> um, but I surrendered in this, moment and just said I want to be free of whatever no longer serves me whatever is holding me back whatever is interfering with my growth um, whatever is causing you know pain whatever isn't in the highest good and I am willing to go through whatever is necessary for that to happen I would be that last 
that last yeah that was pretty bold of me yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah so um uh the universe and i delivered (laughs) you know i always put my thing um with and uh transition with ease (laughs) i always put that in there yeah yeah well i did say you know i did say as peacefully as possible but it it was more like i was surrendering to the possibility Mm -hmm. that i would lose Mm -hmm. things that there was going to be loss in that process it may be you know losing people losing money losing um you know a relationship uh it's not because at the time uh, you know i i was trying to deal with getting my mom the right help uh and filling in the gaps that that doesn't cover with her dementia and then at the same time my kids were having um divergent timelines where it made it so one child refused to be in the house with the other one and for thankfully he was already 18 so he was kind of on the verge Mm -hmm. of going and doing his own stuff anyway but so I was being pulled in all these different directions and um you know it was like I had to be willing to lose one of my children like lose the relationship with one of my children or the proximity with one of my children in order for things to be resolved uh, in the highest good. And I think if I had continued to try to have like the (laughs) maternal death grip on what was happening (laughs) and not just surrender to, okay, well, this is what has occurred. And now these are the steps that we all need to take. And I'm going to trust that I will just keep acting in my from my highest place you know from my highest good and listening to my internal guidance and not allowing whatever is going on with any of these four people uh spinning around me to influence my reaction and my processing of what's happening and my choices and so by just kind of you know surrendering to that that it it, It was very painful, you know, there was a lot of, but it was going, the thing Mm -hmm. was, it was going to be painful no matter what. And so I think I opted to rip off the bandaid rather than go through another decade or so of, uh, you know, process, fighting the process. It's interesting because most of that fighting Mm -hmm. is with ourselves anyway and so we're also surrendering to ourselves it's like a trust it's a trust fall with yourself that look i know this may seem crazy cockamamie what's going on right now but i trust that we've got this one way or another walking through mist and it's all going to be fine that's what it is Mm -hmm. walking through that mist Yep. Yep. Indeed. And, and if I hadn't done that, I would be still stuck at the front of the (laughs) mist. You know what I mean? I would still be on the other side of it and, and and immersed in it Mm -hmm. and continuing to lose energy to it rather than gain energy by moving through it. 
<laughs> you are just such a wonderful person. I, when I was listening to you talk with, um, I mean, I could talk to you for days, but, uh, when I was listening to you in your live right. with, uh, mm-hmm. Becky Zephyr one, three, six, nine for the people out there. Um, one of the things you talked about, I believe oh my God, you're interviewing me. I'm here for it. I always okay, perk up to this, of course, <laughs> but I, yeah. I know, I know. I'm interviewing you. Yeah, I'm just interviewing you. But no, I wanted to ask you about or talk about a little bit about um, you wanting to sing because that kind of relates to, you know, me and my whole groove um, with the grooving goddess thing. And oh, I don't know if you know this, wonderful. but I, I'm a voice coach. Um, yeah. And um was a professional singer which all that means is that <laughs> some people paid me at different times <laughs> to sing in front of people <laughs> uh that doesn't mean you know famous or anything like that but um at any rate you were talking about how you're like because I think you were talking about TikTok which oh I just dipped a toe in that pond and <laughs> boy is that a lot to learn and catch up with <laughs> But it's a really fun way to, it's a fun tool to use just to mm-hmm. learn video production a little bit and, you know, create little videos for podcast episodes and that kind of thing. But um, you were talking about like some of your hesitation and your maybe like a kind of stage fright, uh, those sorts of things. And one of the things that... Um, I like one of my specialties with people with public speaking and singing is helping them with the, the stage fright part of it, the performance anxiety. Um, so I was wondering if what, you know, like, where does that, what is your history? So with, I've been um, singing. Yes. Um, at the age of four years old um, in order, cause uh, my family's Catholic. Um, at the age of four years old, my godmother, mm-hmm. who was the head of the choir, took me to church uh, in her goddaughter, godmother duties um, in the choir. And I sang in the choir um, up until we moved away. Um, so that was until I was about nine. Yeah, yeah until I was about nine. Um, in the Mm -hmm. church choir and then when I moved back to that neighborhood um, to go to a Catholic all-girl convent high school I was in choir (laughs) I was in the choir oh my (laughs) for five years (laughs) and that was not a choice (laughs) it was not a choice (laughs) So did that kind of almost I did make not you know, kind of have no. a little bit of an aversion? The first time I um, no, it was easy because you're in a choir, so nobody listens to you. Um, but it was the first time that the first oh, time sure, that I sure. heard that I mm-hmm. had a nice. I did voice. Like, I didn't know that I had a nice voice at all. Um, and then she said that I was ah. alto, which I didn't know either. And. Um, mm-hmm. Because everybody in my family tells me I have a terrible singing voice. Terrible, 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 really. 
Oh God, what? <laughs> yeah. is our family. So, um, sometimes I was quite convicted. I thought, okay, <laughs> do I have a nice voice? Or do I don't have a nice voice? So I basically just um, once I left high school, I just stopped singing. Um, yeah, I just stopped singing, Aww. and I've always like I I. I stop myself from singing like I want to sing, but I sing in my head. I don't actually let the the, the sounds come mm-hmm. out. Um, and um, a couple months ago, I started singing. I actually started writing. And this was because I was doing some inner child work. So I had named my inner child, her name is Malaika. And um, I allow her, mm-hmm. when she wants to talk, she sings. So that's how it came out. Because when I was doing the child work, well, like the like thing. So oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So she's writing a song that she wants to sing on TikTok. Well, and part of the and, reason. And Serafina, Serafina is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how, how can we delay the writing of this song well, enough? Is that my will just get fed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, part of the reason I wanted to talk about it is because, uh, and I haven't exactly figured out a way to package this as a service to help people, but, um, one of the one of my other friends from the community uh her name is jane she she tells me and other people have you know they tell me that it's like they talk to me and then they get their ideas or their inspiration Mm -hmm. or their like it's like i unblock something for people and so i thought maybe if we talked about it a little bit uh it might do that for you over the course of the next couple of weeks, just through conversation. It's not like an, and that's an interesting thing about the whole muse lore that I think is misunderstood a lot of times is that people seem to think that it's like, you know, the muse pops down and then gives you yeah. the song or gives you the book or gives you the painting or, and it's not that it's, it's that, um, that muse energy, the love of a muse, the attention of a muse um, helps you unlock that creativity inside yourself. And it was always right. there. But it's just this it reminds me of that, um, that but, gene um, key, the seventh gene key, which is um, virtue. Um, Nimue was reading from mm-hmm. the gene key book, and I believe, um, and it talked about. Um, this particular gene unlocking the kind of leadership that is facilitating as opposed to authoritative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and getting back to the family thing, you would be probably not surprised how many people because most I had adult students and then I also had um, kids as well and teens, but um, so many people, the reason that like they would come to me and they would, that we would, you know, initially 
see what their vocal range was and just, you know, I would kind of ease them into it because usually people are pretty shy at first about it. And if they've been told that they don't have a good voice by their family or their significant other or their kids, they are even more self-conscious and blocked about it. And um, it's just, it's amazing how much that is a cause of not mm-hmm. expressing something that makes us feel joyful. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think everyone should sing. And one of the things that I do and kind of honestly, what got me, towards the direction of podcasting in the first place and um why I lean so hard into music as part of my thing is um I started doing using this karaoke app called Smule it's song mule but it's um Smule uh and you can go on there and you can sing um you can sing alone. You can sing with other people. You can keep your recordings private. You don't have to do video. You can just do audio if you feel like it. And it's a really, it became this really warm, welcoming incubator for me to get over having my, um, you know, ex-husband mm-hmm. pretty much bully me out of performing or singing after having been, you know, a pro for 10 years. Um, just by making me, you know, that same thing, like feeling, feeling like uh, I'm incapable. And I have a, you know, I think that has a lot to do with other people's discomfort when you shine brighter than them. Sometimes Um, it's their own issue, not really you at all, but they're trying to ease their discomfort by preventing you from doing the thing that makes them uncomfortable for well, whatever reason. And has nothing to do with how as well was kind of off But this app is so... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, but the Smule app, they, there's everything on there. And there's so many people. And, and there's all variety of levels of let's say natural ability, but everybody has a great time together. And it's, it's this supportive fun place where you don't, you're not trying to be, I mean, some people are, there's always going to be that, but nobody's trying to be the next American idol or anything. They just do it because it feels good. And it's, it's good for your um, mental health it's a stress reliever. It helps bring endorphins. It's good breath work for your lungs. If you're not someone who wants to sit and do actual breath work, the deep breathing and the act mm-hmm. of singing is very healthy for your respiratory system. I'm going to check that out. But, um, so anyway, that is a great free thing that you can go do. Mm-hmm. And so here's my other thing is then um, uh, yeah, we can sing together. Because we can do duets. It'll be fun. Um, so what are your song choices that we're off-putting? I'm not quite. I remember there was one about dead crows. Um, I can't remember who the artist was, but <laughs> it was about, a, I remember my mom talking about it a lot. And I do remember, I just loved how weird it was because it was a whole, it was a song about um, uh, a bunch of crows that sat in a field 
um, and the cow is watching them, and they want, and the the crows is watching the cow, and the cow is watching the crows, and there's a bunch of crows, and it, it really was about the crows and the cow in this field, and it was a very weird song. I don't remember the lyrics, um, but I just thought it was. No. Was it, <laughs> no, was it something no. that you wrote or was it no. something that existed? No, it well, I got to find this. I, this is fascinating, especially with the recent. I have to find my, that. I have to ask my, my mom because my mom distinctly remembers me singing that song at the top of my lungs as often as I can. And it just upset her because it was just a really <laughs> weird song about these crows. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You know, and that's true, too. I mean, in defense of all of our families of origin or significant others, sometimes, you know, us singers can be really annoying because <laughs> you'll be in the car and it's like, OK, do you have to sing with every song? And it's like, well, yes, I kind of do, but I can tone it down if you need some space there. But um yeah, so I'm sure sometimes oh, they yes, were just like kind of on their last nerve at that moment when they would say those things, and they didn't realize. And, that and it was I was going definitely into rapping as well because I rapped. I was definitely into <laughs> Slick Rick. I knew all the words to Slick Rick uh-huh. songs, and I was such a rapper. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is fantastic. They they have every kind of music on Smule. So as a matter of fact, I will send you a link mm-hmm. to this hilarious. The other cool thing is that you can sing with people all over the world. Um, but I'll send you this funny recording of. Um, uh, oh, and I always and then I always forget yeah. with, you know, hit a hop, hit to the hop and don't stop <laughs> a bang to the bang. <laughs> so anyway, the first time I tried to do that. It was so funny how bad mm-hmm. I was that I laughed, you know, through the entire thing. And then normally, like old me, I would have just deleted that and not even said it. But it was a duet with a friend of mine on there who's um, in the Philippines, I think. And so I was like, you know what? I'm saving this because it's hilarious. <laughs> and then I went back and like tried it again and redeem myself a teeny tiny bit but because he is so good at it and I just sounded ridiculous and so I was laughing at how bad I was the whole time and so it it really is a feel-good experience I strongly encourage anyone out there who you know wants to just sing for fun and doesn't feel comfortable I mean even without a pandemic going to karaoke or singing in front of people or whatever this is something you can do on your own that you can scratch that I'm itch so gonna and that generate out. some joy for yourself <laughs> I am excited I can't wait one of the things that I've been trying to kind of uh, facilitate and um, introduce with my podcast episodes is having like a weekly mm-hmm. sing-along because you can do you can put up a group song um where uh, gosh dozens hundreds sometimes of people will join and so it becomes this crazy huge chorus but at any rate i i want to do that i want to set up a group song every week or a duet and invite people because we have a lot of singers in our um, community it's fun 
we definitely do. We have a ton of them. So, and you can also do lives on this app, um, which I don't usually do like I would Mm -hmm. if I had specific people I knew were going to be there and I could invite them because you can make them private. But if it's just me hanging out at home and I'm like, (laughs) let's go live and see what random strangers come (laughs) on here. That's not my, my jam. Uh, you do have to just a word of warning, uh, just like every other social media platform or game of any kind, um, mm-hmm. there's all the, the, you know, bot accounts and fake accounts and whatnot. So just okay. ignore anyone who doesn't <laughs> <Big> sing. <laughs> That's a big tip off. <laughs> If you go to their page, like if they send you a message and you go to their page and you okay. see they have no Noted. songs, then Noted. they're probably fake. <laughs> this is a good so way great. to tell. <laughs> it really has. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I need to leave soon to go um, help my mom get on Zoom with her psychiatrist. Um, but uh this was so wonderful and I can't wait to yes and um, we can talk about Mentalka on your podcast you can come on my podcast and we'll talk some more Ooh, yeah but we can talk we can talk about it on yours and we'll just send the the audience to yours we'll send the audience to yours so that they can hear us talk about Mentalka on yours (laughs) yeah there we go oh my goodness that's so funny yeah, I was in, I, I'm feeling very earthy today, <laughs> so that must be it. My brain just didn't want to go to Mintaka yet. I think it would and make me cry. Honestly, it probably it would, would have made me cry a lot more <laughs> if I had to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be better able mm-hmm. to do that when we um, talk again in a week or so. Yeah. That seems to be how quickly these things are going these days, the processing. Oh. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I just love you to pieces. And sure. I you want a true confession mm-hmm. right before we get off this episode mm-hmm. here of your lovely podcast, which I will share all over the place. Um I when when I first saw you in the community, in the Facebook group, and you know, was getting to see you around in group and see what you posted, and the, you were one of those <laughs> people that I was like Oh, I really want to be her friend. <laughs> and, but I was like, kind, and this is something that most people don't think I would be, but I am shy about a lot of things. And so I was just kind of shy and I was like, well, maybe. And then when you started your podcast and I was like, oh, her voice is just so wonderful to listen to. And, and I was, um, mm-hmm. I have been really shy about asking people to come on my podcast. And it was interesting because I was listening to, oh, who was it? It was like, uh, yeah. oh, it was Mayim Bialik. She's the one who was on Big Bang Theory. And she has a podcast about mental health. And mm-hmm. she had Glennon yeah. Doyle on, um, famous, you know, author, writer. And they, they were both talking about <laughs> how they both hate to ask anybody (laughs) to be on their podcast and they both couldn't believe that they were getting to be on each other's podcast so this is uh another funny manifestation of imposter syndrome yes because you remember i remember you uh because 
um, I had seen you around as well. And I thought, oh, she's so lovely. Oh. And um, I remember I remember somebody was bullying Christy. Aw, um, thank you. And, like, sleeves rolled up. And oh, we, we, yeah. we went to town, but we both went to town in the same way. Like, you know, it was not, it was not, like, everybody else was, like, swords drawn. And we yes. were, like, sis. Yeah. We know, we know, we know you're going through a hard time. We know you're going through a hard time, but <laughs> just take some time out. Yeah. And we were like, we were both in the same space. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could vibe with her. I could vibe with her, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I remember that too. And that was one of those pivotal moments where it's like, well, obviously we are friends now. <laughs> It, we, we couldn't both respond that way. <laughs> so, Andrea, before you go, just tell the people how mm. where to find well, you. Well, you have a wonderful rest of your week off. Oh, yes. Well, I've managed to keep that very simple. And honestly, I cannot believe how lucky I got because none of the platforms anywhere mm. have have had a grooving goddess already. So I'm at Grooving Goddess on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and TikTok now. But, you know, don't get too excited. <laughs> Not a whole lot of brilliance there yet. Um, but, uh, and then you can, I'm going to be creating a link tree, but there's a link to my square booking site for various intuitive menu services. And then also, um, if you want me to be a guest or you want to be a guest on my podcast. Great. Um, oh, and then Grooving Goddess at gmail.com. Me too. Well, thank you so much. And I yeah. love your pieces. And I am so excited okay. to get to sing with Bye. you soon. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please check out the Grooving Goddess podcast, where you would find the continuation of this conversation. Um, I really advise you to check it out if you're interested in anything with regards to Mintaka. Um, or any of the uh, Starseed, uh, Orion Wars, uh, any of that sort of information, check out her podcast. Thank you for tuning in.